What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Takeover Podcast. I am your host, Donovan White, joined by the great Josh Taylor, host of the Draft Takeover Podcast, both of which are brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. Josh, how's it going, my man? Great to have you on. It's going good, man. It was a crazy draft. A lot of unexpected, a lot of head-scratching picks, and a lot of Big Ten players taken that we're going to talk about today. I'm excited, man. Yeah, absolutely. There were there are a lot of picks that went on, and it seems, you know, you're a big draft guy. I'm a big draft guy. It seems as though it takes forever for the draft to come on, and then once it <laughs> does, just... it goes by in like a day. I mean, maybe that's it with all great things, but the draft especially, such a buildup, and then it hits March and April, and it's there, and then, no, it's gone. Done. Now we're left with reactions and 2023 mock drafts already, but for today's episode, it is, you know, it is going to be a review of the top Big Ten prospects that landed, and there were a lot of picks of Big Ten players or a lot of picks in general uh, over the weekend. But when it comes to your picks, uh, make sure that you go to prize picks for all of your picks when it comes to the NBA playoffs, whatever it may be, because, of course, this episode is brought to you by in partnership with prize picks. Make sure you go there. Use the promo code TAKEOVER. Receive a 100% deposit match on all your deposits to $100, whether it's daily fantasy, whether it's NBA playoffs, whether it's maybe you throw in a crazy little pick for the upcoming, you know, Heisman Trophy winner or the NFL Super Bowl winner, whatever it may be, pick against the numbers, just have fun, go to prize picks again, use promo code TAKEOVER for 100% deposit match up to $100. So, Josh, when it comes to the Big Ten prospects, right, when it comes to the Big Ten, it, it's really, when you look at the draft, I'll, I'll, I'll concede a little bit to the SEC, to your conference, that they, they tend to dominate the first round and they tend to dominate the draft. Georgia obviously did that, but when it comes yeah. to the Big Ten, uh, you know, they're 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 close up there with the SEC. It's really the SEC Big Ten. And then when you get the ACC rolling or the Pac-12 or Big 12, it, it'll shuffle around a little bit. But when it comes to some of the top prospects, we're just we're going to go through them, especially through round one. Uh, and it's That's pretty easy to start off with. It was on the cover of this this episode. Aiden Hutchinson, right? Michigan defensive end goes to the Lions. Listen, it seemed pretty clear that this is where he was going to go if he wasn't going to go number one overall. Uh, you know, if he wasn't going to go to Jacksonville. I love the fit as a whole. You know, I'm a Buckeye fan. You can see it on my chest, but I love the fit as a whole. The hometown kids go kid goes back to the hometown franchise, and he just fits Dan Campbell's culture. He just it's it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Then the thing, like I love the fit. I thought you know Jacksonville would either go Evan Neal, which is how I've always thought mm -hmm. because they want to protect. They got Cam Robinson on one side. They need another attack on the other side. So for me, it was always him or Aiden Hutchinson, and then of course Trayvon Walker with the testing and the combine numbers and just that freak athletic ability. Jaguars went him number one. So I knew like right away, as soon as they took him number one, I was like, there's no way Aiden Hutchinson's not going to the lines. Cause like I said, he's the hometown kid. He's staying right there in motor city. But like you said, just the off the field stuff, what you see with Aiden Hutchinson, that leadership ability, you know, even him talking about the Heisman and just making it to the playoffs, just exceeding expectations as a whole for Michigan and that defense in particular, to me, it just it just screamed uh, Dan's culture. And I actually got to like listen and get to know uh, Dan Campbell a good bit at the Senior Bowl. Just him talking, I was impressed because you know you hear like the biting the kneecaps, you know, side of Dan Campbell, but then you mm -hmm. really hear Dan talk about his culture and his work ethic and how like what kind of players he wants. And Aiden Hutchinson is it now? Of course, you know he had the one. Uh, big year, like I said, Heisman finalist, you know, in production. And before that, it was a little slow. He had some injuries um, building up to it. But for me, like, you know what you're getting with Aiden Hudson. You know that he's, like, he's a sure guy. He's not going to, like, just come in and be bad. The thing is, like, how how high of a ceiling can you get out of Aiden Hudson? Is he going to be, like, a, an all-pro type of player that you take at number two? Or is he just going to be a safe, 
really good edge rushing guy uh, for the Lions. But they need edge ed rushing help. They need help in a lot of places. But for for a newer coach and a team that is revamping and you know starting over, just kind of building up this culture, like you said, you want a, a guy on both sides of the ball that you can build around. And I think for the defense, you absolutely can build around Aiden Hutchinson, have someone who's a natural leader who can come in, get the locker room behind them, and get after the quarterback, and then just be an example in the field too. Just like, hey, we're getting to the quarterback. So for me, I love the fit. I think this fits exactly what the Lions want to do. Yeah, and for a team that, you know, and this is no shot against the Lions or Lions fans out there, but just for a team that needs an infusion of talent, right? When you build a team up, especially as early on as Dan Campbell's doing, you typically do it in the trenches. They've, yeah. they've got that with Benay Sewell. Um, Aiden Hutchinson seems to be their guy, uh, and that could turn into that kind of, you know, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa type pass rusher where they're just dominant, right? They're a clean technician. They're a mauler. He could turn into that. And you know, when, when you look at the top of the draft, it, it's not that often, you know, maybe, maybe in the past it was, but it's not that often in modern NFL history that you don't have a guy that's not even worth going, not even worth thinking about going number two overall as a quarterback. Right. And so I don't think Jared Goff is, is the long-term solution no. to quarterback for the lions. I don't think he's a bad so stopgap. They'll visit that next year and possibly get another Ohio state guy um, mm-hmm. that, you, that you know about with uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, I think that's the way they should go if we're looking towards next year, um, but also having a weapon like a Jameson Williams to help add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Aiden Hutchinson, you have something, a foundation to build off of, and I think that's what's important. But like I said, getting the edge rusher. I mean, you see how many edge rushers go in the top you know, five of the draft. That's more of a position value in the NFL right now, and they got that locked down for a long time. Yep. Speaking of Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, Chris Olave to New Orleans Saints. And I know uh, for those of you who don't know, Josh and I are huge Washington Commanders yes. fans. And we both, I would say it's fair to say, had a pretty big draft crush on Chris Olave. So huge. I'll be honest, when that pick went by, I was, you know, not happy. I didn't delete the tweets. I, I stay true to my word. But for the New Orleans Saints, getting Chris Olave, uh, maybe it's just the way he plays. He plays smooth. The pick just feels savvy, feels smooth, just like, yeah, you know, like he's that type of player. That's his style. But you know, whether it's Jameis Winston for the long term, which I doubt it is, um, but whether it's, you know, Jameis throwing a million interceptions this year, he's going to equal it out in touchdowns when he's yeah. got Chris Olave, hopefully it was a health, with a healthy Michael Thomas on the opposite side. That is a really solid duo. match. I mean, it's more than solid. It's, it's pretty good duo matchup at wide receiver. And whoever is the future franchise quarterback is, again, in my opinion, Jameis isn't it. Whoever that guy is, is going to be very thankful that Chris Olave is there. Yeah, I mean, they were five and two, you know, with nobody in like a terrible wide receiver room. Like, do you know who Lil, Lil Jordan Humphrey is? I doubt it. But that, he was one of the people in their wide receiver. Like, they had nobody. Michael Thomas didn't play. Um, and they were still doing good. Like, Jameis was making it work, man. I mean, you saw the Hail Mary against us, you know, for Washington. Like, Jameis can just launch passes. And, and that's someone like Chris Olave who can get vertical, get separation, a home run type of guy that can just take the top off of a defense. That's mm-hmm. that's what really kills defenses in the NFL right now. The, just the explosiveness. Now, after the catch, he's not phenomenal. That's more of like Michael Thomas. He's, you know, the, the slant wide receiver, people call him. Uh, I think he's more than that. But it's just having that balance. You need guys that can win at all three levels. I think Chris Olave and Michael Thomas together make a great duo. Um, like I said, even if it isn't Jameis Winston, you have a long-term wide receiver and same with Michael Thomas. We don't know how long he's going to be there. But he he could be a wide receiver one, possibly. He has that upside. But worst case, he's a really good wide receiver, too, that can just 
in a, in a heartbeat score touchdowns. I mean, it seemed like every time I watched Chris Olave with Ohio State, he was in the end zone. He was in the back of the defense like, wait, we forgot to account for Chris Olave because we got Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jeremy Ruckert running across the field. And sure enough, Chris Olave takes three seconds for him to get behind the defense. So I, I think he's that kind of player. That's why we wanted him for Washington. Like we wanted another good wide receiver but the Saints moving up to get him. They traded a lot of picks for Crystal Lobby. Not even just Yeah, not even just with Washington, but with the Eagles to get in that position to trade that pick away. I mean, you saw the run of wide receivers going. People said Crystal Lave would probably go in the middle of late 20s. I never thought that was uh, you know, the, the the case at all. I thought he was that early to mid teen spot whether it was us if we stayed, maybe the Eagles, somewhere around that range. But him with the Saints, I think he looks really good in that uniform. Like, it just mm-hmm. – you know, certain players look good. Like, with a team, I think he fits that well. But then also, just like I said, Jameis Winston throwing. He's going to throw 30 touchdowns with his 20 interceptions. But still, like, he's going to throw that rock. He is not afraid to launch it deep. And I think Chris Olave is going to love that. If you play, like, fantasy football and you're looking for a value or a young rookie, like in a rookie league, you have to really take a look at Chris Olave because he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. I think Chris Olave is an underrated deep threat. And I don't even know if underrated is the right word. I just don't think it's thought of, you know, when you think of deep threat wide receiver in the NFL, you think of Deshaun Jackson, um, you you think of others and you think of like, that's the main thing that they do. Um, And like you said, Chris Olave has his struggles, but I think he he's a big part of his game is deep threat, but it's not the only part of his game. So I think with with a cannon of an arm with Jameis Winston back there, I think it's only going to help. Um, another wide receiver, literally back-to-back Ohio State picks, Garrett Wilson of the Jets. I think Garrett Wilson had had the argument to claim number one receiver in the draft, uh, only with Jamison, Win- Jamison Williams, uh, excuse me, injury coming with his knee. Uh, Garrett Wilson had a claim there. My fear for him is that maybe it's the you know the old New York Jets paranoia. <laughs> is that I, similar to other teams in the NFL? It seems like the Jets is where a lot of careers go to die. Um, or maybe just hopes in general as a team. They've just, in my opinion, just become that. And I don't have, it's not that I want to say I don't have faith in Zach Wilson as a quarterback, but I just don't know yet. yet. I don't know yet. And I I really hope that Garrett Wilson's career, especially early on, isn't hampered by that. I don't want to see him go in a situation where, you know, he's, you know, balling out, but the team around him is just terrible. And they're cycling through quarterbacks after a couple of years. Um, what, What are your thoughts on kind of his fit with the Jets and how it benefits Zach Wilson especially? I mean, the Jets have a lot of weapons. For me, the Jets had one of the best drafts. Um, you know, not oh, even yeah. just Garrett Wilson, but getting Jeremy Johnson where they did, Sauce Gardner. Like, they built that defense. And Robert Sala is a defensive guy. We saw what he did with the 49ers. Um, but he realizes what he has in offense. Um, you know, they have some pieces, you know, still at wide receiver. Um, you know, Mims, um, Corey Davis is someone they spent a good bit of money on. And like you said, Zach Wilson, just a young quarterback. But you have to give him some, you know, legit weapons. Corey Davis is, like, you know, that bigger possession guy. Mm-hmm. For me, Garrett Wilson, he's going to line up in the slot a lot, but I think he also lines up outside as well, just because he's, he's a smaller guy. For me, he was my wide receiver one because I felt like he was the safest, like, day one pick. I, I, I don't see him being some guy who just, you know, doesn't get a heavy targets or, you know, he, and he's great after the catch. So Zach Wilson, he can launch deep balls. Like, don't get me, you know, started on that, but like, the short passes, getting the ball out quick. That's what you want for your, your young quarterback. You don't want him running for his life. And they're working on the offensive line, too. They've made some moves. They need to, a couple more. Um, but it's all about getting the ball out. You have, like, what, two, two and a half seconds, mm-hmm. as, especially as a young quarterback, 
to get that ball out and make something out of it. I think that's what Garrett Wilson really brings that this offense has been missing. A quick uh, receiver that can take short to intermediate routes and take them 60, 70 yards to the house. For Zach Wilson, it was more of, like I said, Corey Davis, uh, Mims. Who's the other guy? Elijah Moore. Yep. Elijah Moore, I think he's going to be phenomenal too. I think him and Garrett Wilson actually complement each other really well. I think Elijah Moore can do some of the things that Garrett Wilson does, but still you need to build that confidence for your quarterback. People are saying like Zach Wilson, they're already down on him. You know, after this year, they're going to go for another quarterback. Like, no, like build around the guy. Like it took Josh Allen three years to get started, but adding a guy like Garrett Wilson, an explosive guy. I, I saw him in 2019 jump over Darion Kendrick full body in the Fiesta Bowl. Almost cleared him entirely to make that catch on the sideline. That was the craziest catch I've ever seen besides uh, Tyron Porter like catching it behind the guy's back. Garrett Wilson's number two craziest catch I've ever seen on TV. I was like, holy smoke. So it just shows like he's a small guy, but he plays big. And that's what I like about him. Yeah, I saw him staring down the field on punt return when we played at Ohio State and to recognize and realize, that, oh, that's Garrett Wilson right there. All right, let's try and make a tackle. And tackle did not happen, folks. <laughs> Thankfully, that is low, low, low on his highlight, highlight reel of his career. So that will never be seen by anyone's eyes again. Um, the next pick after that, again, last thoughts of Garrett Wilson. Again, I'm with you. He might have been wide receiver one. I loved Chris Olave, just draft, draft crush. But Garrett Wilson might have been the best pure receiver in the class. Um, next pick in the first round, Jahan Dotson, our guy, the Washington Commanders. Again, I really didn't like the pick at first. But again, that's just the emotional fan side of me. The more I cooled down, the more I thought about it, I do like the pick. When you have a guy that is uh, has a lot of different skill sets, even though he's not, you know, 6'3", or he's not like a 5'8", burner guy, you know, he's, but what, 5'10 and a half, 5'11", um, so he's kind of between, yeah, he's a guy that he doesn't have to come and be wide receiver one. He doesn't have to be that. He's got Terry McLaurin demanding coverage from the defense on one side. And if you do have a guy like Curtis Samuel healthy, when I say healthy, I mean you got to. He's still young. It's not like he's turning 33, 34. Yeah, he's young. If he, yeah, if he goes back to his Panthers form from twenty twenty, you know, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, that trio right there can be scary, uh, and it can bode well for Dotson. Really bode well for him. Yeah, and the thing that's really throwing me off is people calling Jahan Dotson just like a you know glorified like slot. He's gonna be in the slot mm-hmm. now. I, like off the top of my head, I want to say when I was doing my research, he lined up in the slot about two hundred fifty, two hundred sixty times. But on the outside, it was like close to 1,200 times. Mm-hmm. So just because he's small does not mean, mm-hmm. oh, we just got to throw him in the inside and, you know, where he can take advantage of these slow linebackers or bigger corners. Like, no, he does just fine on the outside. And sorry to all the Penn State fans, but he had Trace McSorley at first. <laughs> and then he had Sean Clifford is coming back again. And, like, for me, they're both hit or miss. Like, they either make a really good play, really good throw, or it's just bad. And you, you really look at Jahan Dotson's route tree – and he's 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 making a living off of slants, off of screens and taking them, or it's these little uh, post routes. He, he's not really winning vertical, but when you watch the tape, he he's running his routes vertical. He's making big plays. And you know, sorry you know, for Ohio State fans, but that one on Sean Wade where he just goes up mm-hmm. one hand catches it as a five eleven guy. That's what I'm saying. Like with Garrett Wilson, they they're smaller body, smaller uh, you know BMI mass body uh mass body index but he plays much bigger than that. He can get up. It's all about the frame. It's all about the catch radius. Like if you're limited to this little space as a, as a wide receiver at five eleven, this, this limits you. But mm. if you're five eleven and you're as fast as you are and your catch radius is much bigger, it's much more opportunity for you 
and your quarterback making a living off of it. And Jahan Dotson had the lowest drop rate in the entire class. That's with Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. They catch everything. So for him, having it was like a 1.2 drop percent last year alone. I think his career drop percentage was like right at 5% or very high 4%. So that alone like gets me excited as a Washington fan because you have options. You have a young wide receiver core, another Ohio State guy with Terry McCorn, another Ohio State guy with Curtis Samuel, and then you got that little Penn State nitty line on the outside running deep. Mm. So True or false, if you switch Jahan Dotson with Garrett Wilson, you switch them on teams, Jahan Dotson and the Buckeyes, Garrett Wilson's on the on, on Penn State, is Jahan Dotson probably not getting picked in the same slot as Garrett Wilson, or at least close? You know what I mean? Like, just the the opportunities, the, the stats that are out of that. I mean, I know stat padding, you know, it, it's kind of looked at as a negative. But I, let's face the facts here. If you're on a team that didn't have inconsistent quarterback play, like you mentioned, Trace McSorley, you know, uh, Sean Clifford – you're going to have more opportunities to show who you are. You're going to, you're just going to have more opportunities. It's yeah. really, it's really hard to not say that he wouldn't be this flashing name. It's mm-hmm. not to say, you know, Penn state doesn't have, you know, the, the credibility, the brand, cause they absolutely do, but it is that limited quarterback play. You know, it is not being in the playoffs or having, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave next to you. It's where you're just like that household name of a wide receiver. For me, I've watched Jahan Dawson. I've been a fan of his, you know, since he was running beside, you know, KJ Hamler. I've liked him the last two or three years. So I knew Jahan Dotson. And I went back and looked at all my old tweets and it was like, holy Jahan Dotson or good Lord Jahan Dotson, just crazy mm. catches and big plays on Saturdays. Um, so yeah, he's not the popular pick. So it's not going to be like, oh, we got this guy. But on Sundays, Jahan Dotson's going to show up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll address some of the comments in the stream here. So first question from uh, from Ryan Newton. Uh, so what, what is it? Which school have the most bust out of this class? Got to be Ohio State, right? I mean, in general, for the Big Ten, it, it's probably going to be Ohio State just because they have higher picks. Yeah, I mean, maybe Michigan only. Yeah, maybe Michigan only because you have a guy like David Ojabo, who, you know, I, I don't I hope he comes back from his injury well, but yeah. Achilles' injury is Jackson no Hill joke. first round safety. It's no joke. Yeah, exactly. First round safety with the Bengals. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be Ohio State. Another question from you know, if Wilson didn't go to Ohio State, would even would even been have drafted that high bust. I mean, we talked about it. If he went to Penn State, I, I think him and Jahan Dotson are basically switched around draft wise. Yeah, uh, I think their skill wise. still shows at that school. But it absolutely helps. I mean, just like Alabama. Like, I can't sit here and say, like, going to Alabama doesn't help you. Like, yeah, we recruit the best. We, you know, get the best transfers. We develop the way that they're supposed to be, you know, developed. And it shows in the NFL. Some guys don't pan out. Some turn into, like, all pros and, you know, Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm. But I think the same can go for, you know, Ohio State. You know, Penn State. There's some Penn State greats out there. It's For me, it's just sample size. Like, what – what you remember like personally, like wide receiver wise, like what schools do you think of? Like, especially right now in college football, it's Ohio state because a lot of people tuned into that Utah game. A lot of people tuned into the, the playoffs and they're like, these guys, I haven't seen them until now. And I want this guy on my team. They, I mean, you not, how many people watch the Oregon game that watched the playoff game? Yeah. The, you know, the diehard Ohio state fans, but the casual college football fans, they weren't tuning into Oregon. They'd be like, Oh, CJ's. CJ Stroud looks terrible. Who is this guy? Like, which he did. Don't lie to yourselves, <laughs> Buckeye fans. He but that terrible. wasn't like, but I'm not going to base, you know, pro projections or where I'm going to draft a guy off of one game. Yep. So people see 
that playoff game, they see the big moments against Utah. Um, you know, it's just, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like for me, it, that that's what sticks out. Yeah. I, I do like this comment here. Can you address Hutchinson being Jamari uh, Sawyer's son? I, I do appreciate that one. I, I like Jamari I Saul. He's a, he's a sharp dude. I talked to him at the yeah. Super Bowl. He had me cracking up. I think he's a steal of this draft, too. When, when did he get drafted? It was later rounds. Did he get super late rounds? Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot where he went to, but like he was someone I was watching for us as like a mm-hmm. you know developmental guard. Um, he said he was comfortable playing anywhere, but then just him going against that George defense every practice he's like man ain't nobody in the nfl that can hold me back and i was like hey you're you're not wrong <laughs> you go against those guys at georgia and you're you're gonna be league ready so he was, oh, he was just a, a fun guy to talk to yeah last few picks of the first round this was my guy tyler winterbaum with the ravens uh, i personally i thought he was the best prospect coming out of the big 10 yes that's even with garrett wilson chris olave aiden hutchinson i thought he was the best pick i thought he was one of the cleanest picks um, in a while, cleanest prospects in a while, regardless of position. Um, I'm still a little confused with the Ravens of their kind of strategy of trading out Hollywood Brown. Um, it doesn't it certainly doesn't help Lamar Jackson, yeah. but if you have the opposite strategy, the inverse, basically of let's draft, let's have the steal of the draft um, on across all rounds, arguably have, I mean, them and the Jets had two of the best drafts this oh, year. Oh yeah, Kyle Hamilton this, falling, mm-hmm. Tyler Lindebaum where they got him. The the, the strategy of exactly the strategy of trade away your top receiver, but let's make every other position <laughs> on it's your gonna team be overshadowed dominant. by a really yes. good draft. Yes, it masks some of that loss, but I it's a great pick uh, by the Ravens. It's it's a great way to open up the run game for when JK Dobbins comes back healthy. Um, hopefully, if he makes a full recovery, it's a great way. Uh, with Tyler Linderbaum, or excuse me, with uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously, um, you know, to to just protect him more. I mean, he's your franchise quarterback. There's been rumors, obviously, of him not, you know, getting the extension, uh, leaving, whatever it is. It's, he's your franchise quarterback. Yeah, uh, It's a great pick for them, in my opinion. That, that offense lives and dies by what Lamar does. And it showed. Like, his running game went down. Like you said, what, two or three of the running backs were out for the season? Like, it's bad. Mm-hmm. So you have to get some protection. You have to protect Lamar. And he's got to get smarter about what he does, you know. And yep. but part of that is he's he's used to just being bull rushed in like seconds. So having Tyler Lindebaum, who for me, I said it a couple of weeks ago, he is a guaranteed all pro. Yep. I I have no problem saying that. He was the most dominant offensive lineman I've seen since like Ryan Kelly or Quentin Nelson. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm putting him in that category before he even steps on the field in the NFL. Like I'm that confident. I thought I thought for sure the Eagles were gonna take him in the first round. They ended up going Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska, another Big Ten. Who's and they said Kelsey like single handedly picked out Cam Jurgens to replace him. So Tyler Lindbaum not, might not be exactly like what they wanted there, but I thought for sure if they weren't going to trade that other pick away to the Saints like they did, Tyler Lindbaum would have been one of those three picks in the first round they had because he is that long term guy at center or guard if you have to play him there in the first uh, year or so. He's comfortable anywhere, but he's been so dominant his entire college career. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he fell that far, I'm like, he's a top 10 value. Like he's a like skill wise and talent wise. He's a top 10 pick. I'm putting him up there with like Evan Neal and talent. Like it's, but yep. it's just ridiculous that since he was a center, mostly, you know, like I said, he could be a guard. You know, if you want to put him there, I'd definitely put him at center for his entire career. That's what really hurt him. And then just the the needs that the teams had in that upper part. So once again, he's Ravens gonna, get a crazy value. He's gonna walk in as a rookie and and 
and be in the conversation for a pro bowler at rookie. I mean, it's yeah. that simple. He's going to be um, a Creed Humphrey level rookie. Yes. Oh yeah. And a lot of people looked at him uh, in a negative light or just not even negative, but a neutral light because he's about six, two and a half and he's just and below no 300. That. That dude no, no problem. <laughs> no, when, when your film shows it, your film shows it, but I'll, I'll jump over the chiefs. Cause it, you know, kind of goes with my thoughts with the Bengals first round picks and they, they took Daxton Hill, right? Safety out of Michigan. I was a little surprised that the Bengals didn't try and trade up just a few spots to go for Tyler Underbaum um, because I understand they made some free agent signings for the O-line, but this was the pick I'm like, ever since the playoffs, really, I was like, Tyler Underbaum and the Cincinnati Bengals are a match made in heaven. I don't care who you signed at center unless mm-hmm. it's another pro bowler. This is who you should go for. They didn't sign him. Um, so, they, again, the same kind of thing with the Ravens. The inverse side of this is that, having a, a great defense or having a better defense does take some of the pressure off your quarterback, not the same light as an offensive line um, and a high caliber one does, but they made some improvements. Um, but adding a safety like Daxon Hill, um, especially in a, a division where Deshaun Watson just entered in and dare I say, Kenny Pickett, I, I liked him in the draft. And I think with the Steelers, like it, it's about as Deshaun good a fit Watson. as you can get for him. Yeah. But Deshaun Watson, <laughs> you need some high caliber players. Yeah. Um, That's what killed the Bengals. Is that mm-hmm. secondary? Secondary was so bad. I mean, not even just Eli Apple getting ripped on Twitter every oh, day. Gosh. But for me, it was always either Zion Johnson, because I didn't think Tyler Lindball would even make it that far, or Daxon Hill. Because Daxon Hill, he can play a lot of spots. He can play that big safety in the box. He can line up and you know, as a nickel, he can play single high. For me, he's one of the only safeties in this entire draft I was comfortable putting by himself on an island in the back because of his mm-hmm. speed and the range that he shows. That's even with Kyle Hamilton. I think Kyle Hamilton was too slow to be able to cover that, you know, single high by himself. But Daxon Hill, that dude will lay you out. But he's great in coverage too. Like he I was yeah. I wasn't too high on him. Um, you know, until I really got to watch him late in the season, you know, especially prepping for the, the Michigan Georgia game. And then of course for the draft, just breaking down his film, I was like, this dude can flat out fly, but he's so versatile. Yeah. And that's what teams are going to love. I was like, man, he would be a perfect fit for the Bengals who, who also add another versatile guy with, uh, Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska. So, you know, Nebraska's got some guys that came into this draft too. Um, you know, speaking of big 10, but for me, Daxon Hill just feels such a big, uh, you know, need for that team. You know, like you said, they, that offensive line, they built it out, got Leo Collins, um, added a couple other guys, the dude from the Bucks. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're thinking of. Uh, not Jensen, right? I was going to say Ryan Jensen. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Ryan Jensen. But just – so they built up that offensive line, like, good enough, you know, mm-hmm. especially with Leo Collins. That was huge. Um, that was so I think game. that really turned their attention to – Hey, what does this secondary look like? And they went back to back on uh secondary guys. So I think they they're well well within range on making another little Super Bowl run because you have to protect Joe Burrow and you have to you saw that defense against Pat Mahomes and how they frustrated him. You add Daxon Hill to that defense. Mm-hmm. I'm excited yeah. to see what they do. I, I'm gonna be watching some Browns versus Bengals games, some Ravens versus Bengals games, Steelers. I'm not worried about them yet. Sorry. Uh, but like you said, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson in the NFC North now against the the Bengals and that defense with Daxon Hill out there, that, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of uh, the, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they added George Karloftis, the edge rusher out of Purdue. Listen, I I think it's the nature of the game where you spend so much money on, on offensive players and you're never really going to pick that high in the first round or, quite frankly, any round. 
because of who you are as the Chiefs, always going to be dominant and, and kind of close to the, the Super Bowl as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, you know, and, and still breathing. But adding an edge rusher with the team already with Chris Jones on there, especially in a division with now, you know, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. You got to do something. Your defense is never going to be Seattle Seahawks level elite. It's just, in my opinion, you're paying too much on offense, a lot of other factors. But if at the very least you can add another guy that can rush the passer, it could be huge. It could be huge. Because, again, look at the Bengals. Bengals secondary was terrible. But their defensive line especially stepped up when it came to Patrick Mahomes, when it came to the Chiefs. Chiefs got a good formula for that up front with Chris Jones, George Karloftis. I, I think you got two guys right there um, that, that – that can put some pressure on the rest of those historically elite level quarterbacks in the division, which is just still can't wrap my head around. Yeah. You have to compete. Like you said, you know, Randy Gregory to the Broncos, Khalil Mack to the chargers. And then you have Chandler Jones to the Raiders. You have to have an answer. And I agree with, you know, Chris Jones, Frank Clark two you know, top name guys, but you have to add to that. I think and for me, it's funny because George Karloftis has been that forgotten edge rusher guy. I remember middle of the season, towards the end of the season, he was like that top 10 pick-esque guy until Aiden Hutchinson just started balling out. You know, David Ajabo started balling out. People started remembering who Kayvon Thibodeau was because, you know, the year before it was kind of like, oh, we don't know what we're going to get with Kayvon. Trevon Walker comes out of nowhere, and it just kind of – it just pushes him down. You see that rise in the fall. Same with, you know, Kenny Pickett. People are like, oh, he's a top five pick. He falls like Malik Willis. Like it happens at every position. It the the board shakes up so much before the draft throughout that whole process of combines, pro days, senior bowl, all that. And for me, George was just that guy that kind of fell. And I think I think it's a really good value for the Chiefs because they're getting a top end talent guy. Same with him, Purdue. How yep. many people are watching, you know, legit Purdue games to where the, the outside people can really build up the hype on him. Not a lot, but you sit down and watch the tape. You're like, yo, this guy's strong. He's got high motor. You know, he might not be the fastest, most technical guy, but he can, you know, build off of that. But like, you actually just watch this guy play. You're like, he's absolutely a first round guy. I'm not sure why he's going this, you know, low to the Chiefs. So I think they got a great pick. They've got to get after the quarterback. Like you said, they needed that answer to compete with the rest of the AFC West, which is just bonkers right now. Yeah, and, and that that was the first round for the Big Ten, but there's a lot of other guys, uh, a few other guys on this list that we'll talk about real quick. Um, speaking of edge talent, David Ajabo to the Ravens. Again, stashing away talent, a guy who oh, probably yeah. would have been a top 20 pick if you don't blow at your Achilles. And I I, I don't – he's probably not going to play this season, um, barring a miraculous comeback, which, again, it's, this isn't ACL's. A Cam Akers-esque. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was – that's a that's a miracle, you know, to happen. So I'm not betting on it. Uh, I hope he gets healthy, but stashing away picks by the Ravens with David Ajabo. Yeah, and then having you know his brother over there in Michigan, another Harbaugh, like, hey, mm-hmm. we want this guy. You know, be honest with me. And and that's the thing that really like got to me this this draft. Like, and I, I think after they drafted him, I'm like, oh man, I didn't even think about that. You know, Harbaugh and Harbaugh, like. Just having, you know, his brother's back and be like, look, this is what you're getting with David Ajabo. I'm not worried about the injury. As soon as this guy's healthy, you're going to get a stud of a pass rusher. And for me, at times, David Ajabo was the pass rusher that stood out more than Aiden Hutchinson in some games. Mm-hmm. You know, Aiden Hutchinson was that top guy in the front, but sometimes David Ajabo and, you know, Aiden Hutchinson was getting beat, he'd be the guy that stepped up and still got to the quarterback. So them just saying like, hey, you know, I don't even see it as a risk. 
because with you know sports medicine and how guys are coming back right now, it's wild. Like you completely forget that Joe Burrow had his knee blown out before he went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You forget that these guys are getting injured. Like Jameson Williams, he looks good right now. Is he going to start the season? We don't know. I, I think they've been hush hush about that because everyone's healthy at draft time. But like you feel much more confident in these guys coming back. So if he comes in and you know goes back to that old David Ajabo look, you're like, man, the Ravens really just you know came in, stole this draft, and left without anyone saying anything. Yeah, and another Michigan guy, uh, Hassan Haskins, and I'll even throw this coming in there from Chris Woods. Uh, not Big Ten, but thoughts on Malik Willis for Tennessee. These two, Hassan Haskins and Malik Willis, I, I think everyone's a little surprised Malik Willis slipped that far uh, to Tennessee, but Hassan Haskins, running back, that I think is very good and to partner him with Derrick Henry. Jeez. But I'm bringing up Malik Willis with this because I think these two are guys that could be linked, could, could be linked together for a long time in Tennessee only because again, I was, I was sitting there for a while going, you know, Malik Willis slips this far as Washington take a chance on him. I'm like, yeah, like, let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens. But for a team like Tennessee, Malik Willis and Hassan Haskins, both of them just seem like good fits. I think Haskins, cause he'll be able to play a little earlier. I don't think Willis is going to go over Tannehill, but Haskins with Derrick Henry is a really good duo, really good duo. Yeah, you. I mean, if if you're in the AFC and you're, you know, the Colts, the Texans, um, and you're and you're looking at Tennessee right now, the Jaguars too. You know, they got Trevon Walker, but you're building up your defensive line for the future because mm-hmm. I don't see Derrick Henry like going anytime soon. You got Haskins. You saw what he did with Corm as that one-two duo, and you're like, holy smokes, that's scary. And then, oh yeah, by the way, you know, Traylon Burks is that. You know, not D- he's like a mix of like a Debo and AJ Brown. We just don't know how good he's going to be yet, but he ran the ball with Arkansas. He was mm-hmm. in the backfield sometimes. Like, don't be surprised when they get the ball to him quick. And then, by the way, if Malik Willis ends up being the quarterback next year or two years from now, who is the one of the best running quarterbacks since Lamar Jackson, like, good luck. <laughs> if any of those guys just slow wear and tear on the defense and then Malik just launches bombs deep, you know, Traylon Burks or whoever's there. Uh, wide receiver like that that's scary that's a, that's probably one of the best like running cores for a team if you know Malik turns out what you want him to be you know Derrick Henry he's healthy Hassan Haskins as his backup running back and then Traylon Burks is going to run the ball like that's terrifying <laughs> if I'm the like I said Colts uh Texans or uh Jaguars yeah, yeah. Traylon Burks, Burks in that, in that, he almost, he almost reminds me. I don't know, I don't know if he's as agile or just quick as Curtis Samuel. I think he's a little bigger, bigger up, stronger. It almost reminds me of that. In the same light as receivers, they're two picks of picks. David Brown's out. And Jalen Naylor, I think Naylor got named. I mean, we talked about him a little bit on our CFP and Oakland podcast about how small the game Michigan Station is. I think he was a guy that was. You know, you know, hampered a little bit by shaky quarterback play and basically an offense that ran through Kenneth Walker the third, rightfully so. Um, I think he's a guy that you could get a steal out of, and I'm not saying just make the roster. I think it's a six-round pick. Not just make the roster, but be a contributor. Um, David Bell is the same. I think David Bell, uh, what was it, third, fourth round? Uh, he slipped a little bit, but he, he's a guy that, you know, had close to second-round talent, close to late first-round talent. Um, outside of Mari Cooper, I think both those guys could be in for a really nice NFL career. Yeah, I really like David Bell. Mm-hmm. His, he just tested like poorly, like speed wise, and 
people just see him as like a possession big guy, but like doesn't offer much in like the, you know, he didn't have too much of a route tree, but he was still dominating guys. I mean, especially if you watch like the, the Iowa game, I mean, uh, he was killing them. Like every single time they played Iowa, everyone's like, yep, David Bell's about to pop off. But the crazy catches he makes, the way that his body control, I forgot who it was against, but there's one game. It's literally exactly pretty much what Odell did, just falling backwards. And his body's literally Mm -hmm. just as flat as could be. And he just reaches back and catches one. And people are like, holy smoke, he just caught that. Like, there's no way. But then also in the end zone, on the sideline, just that his body strength and how he just, you know, goes up and just gets these passes and, you know, once again, like they didn't have the best quarterback play. They weren't the flashiest offense. But, you know, for me, David Bell was that guy who just would dominate guys in the Big Ten. And you're just – I mean, and, and like I liked him in the early second. Like I, that's mm-hmm. where I would have him going. I would have no problem taking him as a Washington fan if I knew that was like a second-round option. I put him up there with like George Pickens, which yep. people are going to think is a little, a little spicy, but – I liked his game. Like just watch how he plays and like, you're, you're excited to see what he can do in the NFL because I think he transitions well to these guys who try to press him at the line, try to be physical with them. He's going to body you back. He's going to be rough right there with you. And he's going to be like, Hey, meet me at the ball. We'll, we'll meet up in the sky. And that 50, 50 is going to be more like a 70, 30 for him. Mm-hmm. And I same think, with Naylor. Yeah. I I mean, that that's as bad as quarterback plays you can get in the big 10. Like, yeah. let's be honest. It's but terrible. You're, you're running Kenneth Walker to the to the Heisman, you know, ceremony almost just how many carries? Probably 25, 30 carries. Like he was he was putting up Derrick Henry at Alabama numbers. Um, but then you see like Reed, but Naylor, they both had, you know, big moments in these big games. The Michigan game it seems like they stepped up, you know, special teams guys, but then also these late round guys. And it's funny because I I keep reading, you know, reviews over the draft, and it seems like everyone's like don't sleep on Jalen Naylor with the Vikings. I know he's catching passes from Kirk Cousins, but he absolutely has a chance to make this roster and, you know, contribute in some way behind some of these guys because he offers something a little bit different. You know, Justin Jefferson's going to be what he is. You know, the Jets going to be himself. Um, but outside of that, like, it, it just adds a little bit more to the wide receiver room that they don't have right now. I like Naylor a lot. He I, he was another one of these Big Ten guys. I watched a good bit. Um, but you just have to really look at that offense and say like, yeah, he, he was not suited to just be a big time name wide receiver at Michigan state with that offense. Now. And for Spartans fans that may take offense, some of Josh Taylor's comments, go back to the Ohio state game, watch what happened when they got down 14, nothing, 21, nothing pretty quick. Kenneth Walker had like six carries for like 20 yards for the game. And look what happened to their passing game. It was non-existent. So Michigan State struggled. I'll cover them a little later in the offseason, kind of going forward. But, Josh, the last question here. If you could name any of these Big Ten prospects, any of them, to be the most likely to say, let's be rookie, let's say rookie of the year, which is tough because you're going to have Ooh. guys like – I mean, you have – rookie of the year, honestly, it, it, it could be kind of a little toss-up because you have a few guys. You don't have a big-name quarterback that could go in and ball out. I mean, Kenny Pickett. But of all these guys that are on there, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, um, you know, I don't think David Ajabo is going to play this season. Daxton Hill, maybe Tyler Leonard, Bobby Nod is with offensive linemen. Any of these guys you think, you know, if you had a pick to make on prize picks, of course, any of these guys that you might, you know, put a little pick on, throw, put a little wager on when it comes to being rookie of the year, any of them? I think performance wise, 
it should be Tyler Linderbaum. Mm, yeah, agreed. But of course, like you said, the offensive linemen don't get the respect. Like I said, I've, I'm guaranteeing that Tyler Linderbaum in his career, unless something crazy happens, you know, knock on wood, he's going to be an all pro. I firmly believe that. He screams all pro, you know, lineman. I don't care where, if you put him at tackle, I don't care. I think he will thrive wherever he goes. Um, but safest pick, if I was throwing money on it, I would say Aiden Hutchinson mm, okay. because he is that edge guy. You know, same with, you know, Heisman. No offensive lineman is going to win Heisman. No corner, no safety. It's almost impossible. You have to be an edge rushing guy who can get sacks, get fumbles, create big time moments in games. And I think with the Lions, you know, Kirk Cousins, quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, they're building offensive line a little bit. And then Justin Fields and the Bears. Oh my, that's, a, mm-hmm. that, that's an easy target with Justin Fields. That team sucked. <laughs> they're doing nothing to help him out. Sorry, Buckeye fans, but Justin Fields is. He needs to leave. He's he's in a death trap over there in Chicago. So I, I think he's in a good position to where he sees the Bears twice a year, Packers twice a year, and Vikings twice a year. He can get sacks, get key turnovers. And, I mean, look how bad they were last year, like record-wise. They were in some games, should have beat the Ravens until, you know, Tucker kicked like a 90-yard field goal. <laughs> they had so many opportunities to win games, but record-wise, I think they're going to be so much better next year. And people are going to look, it's like, all right, Lions won six, seven games this year, seven, eight games. Who was key contributors for this team? And it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson who comes out, like I said, get key moments in games that help him win games, but sacks, turnovers. And he's going to be that, you know, that presence to the team where he has the, you know, the face, the the characteristics, the leadership to where he just jumps out and you can, like with the Heisman, I mean, you see him at the ceremony stuff, talking to people and just being himself. That it, it you latch onto him as a player, so I think he is like the stand up, uh, you know, guy that could win rookie of the year on defense and you know, just in general. And Chris Olave for offensive rookie of the year, I yeah, think I, he's in a great position to succeed. I, I think Chris Olave is a really good spot for offensive rookie of the year, and I agree, it's probably Aiden Hutchinson or him for rookie of the year in general. I again, I love Michael Thomas as a Buckeye fan and just as a, as a football fan, he's a great receiver, but. He's been, he's been, he's had his, his injury stints lately. He's got, you know, he, he loves to go on Twitter. Um, you know, he likes to speak that a little bit, but I don't it's know. Not I think, as bad as Kevon, you know. no, <laughs> no, no, but I, I think Chris Olave is a guy where even if Michael Thomas is having some injury bugs again, um, he's still a guy that can win enough on his own. He's not so dependent as a rookie receiver that he needs someone else out there. I'm not saying that he's going to go in and, you know, have a, have a, uh, all pro year. But I'll be quite honest with you. If if Chris Olave stepped in and had a Terry McLaurin esque rookie year, it wouldn't be surprising. I'd be like, yeah, that's that's what Chris Olave can do as a rookie. If he had a little bit less, it's probably what I expect. If he, you know, but if he had a Terry McLaurin like rookie year, it it wouldn't be that surprising. I was going to say if Jameis Winston plays healthy, you know, towards mm-hmm. the MCL and ACL, don't be surprised if he flirts with a thousand yards his first season yeah. and like eight touchdowns. Yeah. That'd be a great wager. Like, if between 900 and 1,000 yards, I'm putting some money on that. If I had to pick eight touchdowns, that's tough because, like, there's no one else. Nah, if, if it's him and Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, I get it. He's going to do what he does too. But Jameis is going to throw that thing 40 times a game. Like, no problem. The touchdowns are the ones that I'd be looking at real closely because if that number dips too low, like five and a half. No, Guess who's going to go money. screaming running to the over? Easy. I'm going to go right over there. But 
other common scenario, you know, of course, shout out outside of the Big Ten to the Miami Red Ox. See some Ohio Bobcat fans in here. Um, shout out to my boy, Dom Robinson. Get drafted yep. in the fifth round by the Bears. Josh, I know you're a big fan of him, but shout out to him. Um, uh, otherwise, listen, there's a lot of talent coming out of the Big Ten, and I think a lot of these guys are in great positions to succeed, um, you know, especially closer to the top, which is the nature of the game when it comes to the first round. Um, but, Josh, I always appreciate it, my man. As a, as a fellow Washington Commanders fan, as a fellow draft fan, I appreciate you jumping on um, and joining us and kind of breaking us down. Uh, but for me, I'm Donovan White. Um, and for Josh Taylor, we will see you next time. Take care. Thank you.